Welcome to the eighth episode of Online Theatre Collaborative, Innovations in Digital Theatre. I'm Neil Wexler, a playwright and filmmaker from Buffalo, New York. It's really great to be here with Evan Mitchell, a theatre arts teacher in North Carolina. If you could start by telling us how you've had to adapt this past year during the pandemic. I, like so many other people, experienced being thrown into the brave new world of remote learning and feeling so powerless and helpless to provide the sense of meaning that I usually can e in a way easily for for so many of my students right with just the fact that we can be together we can interact people can communicate and are taught values of joy and play and community and stuff through this united vision of theater and all of that had been taken away from us and so I scrounged last March to find any semblance and, you know, the first things we can write monologues and we can write short little plays and we can do Zoom readings of those plays and stuff. And as we began experiencing and I internally was experiencing how lesser that medium felt so like, deeply, the removal, like the separation from each other. And so it was just like dealing with all that grief while trying to do things of meaning, which involved me like putting on a very happy face for my students and giving them impassioned speeches of meaning while knowing how much lesser my talking was to them. And so over the summer, I went, how can this be done differently? And boiled down, well, what is theater to its most essential elements? It needs to have storytelling, number one, and it needs to have a live interaction with an audience. They can hear us and we can hear them or they can see us, we can see them. I searched online to see what professionals were doing uh, with artists like Siobhan O'Laughlin, uh, a theater company that does work over the phone called Candle House Collective. And then I stumbled across a show called The Telelibrary which was created by Yannick Trapman O'Brien. It was a show over the phone that was essentially a one-to-one -one conversation, one audience member, one actor, with the actor playing basically an AI version of Siri. You would make different choices and you could make selections through this phone system that then would unlock more and more options of what you could do. And within 40 minutes, I went, well, that's the first theater I've experienced since March. Like that, like I was full afterwards. Like I experienced things. I had emotions. I felt challenged. I was thinking about life. I was like, this is, was alive. This was really wonderful. It was playful. It was moving. All sorts of things that I wasn't expecting at all. And so, I started thinking about how, like, what was working? How did that happen? And then I ended up reaching out to the artist who created it and said, hey, I loved your show. Can we do a version of it? Or can I do a version of it with my students? And he was gracious enough to say, yeah, absolutely. And he met with kids. We talked through it. And the kids, we, we took kind of the format, but then kids wrote their own sort of pieces and additions to it that could be unlocked. And it was, that was our first production. And I knew 
it had worked because once the shows were over, kids would start typing into chat with all the wild, like wonderful moving experiences. And they were just exploding. And you could see their faces with joy and amazing because they had forged this true human connection through this format in a way that like, you could just see, like I could feel it from there. Like they had not experienced in a, in a long time. Um, and then as they're sharing their chats, audiences are writing in their responses of how they were moved and stuff. And you could just see these kids like, oh, that was another, that was a meaningful experience again. It's interesting to think about audio because at the start of the pandemic, I think we primarily imagined online theater as a visual space. But given limited resources and the nature of theatrical performance, audio is in many ways a more viable starting point. I am a student of physical theater. Like all my pedagogy is rooted in physical, like ensemble building, movement exercise, like that's my joy in theater. So like in March, all of that was ripped from me. And like, I felt that great loss. And it's like, so how do we do any of it? And so, yeah, what I've reflected on in terms of the audio experience over the phone using older tech, what that allows us to do that Zoom can't. So Zoom tries to replicate sharing space and time together, but it doesn't do actually fully either of those things. We see each other, but we're not looking at each other. We hear each other, but we're not hearing each other at the same time. There is a delay, whereas on a phone, while you're not in the same space, you are in the same time. Like we don't have that delay. So just being able to hear people breathe, laugh, stifle a laugh, like all those things that Zoom like edits out of the sound if it's not picked up correctly, like those are the like key human elements that build connection which is why phone is like works. What was your next project? Did it build on that? I came into the semester with students going, okay, I'm bringing you this show. This is what we're going to do first. For our next thing, you all have to figure it out. Like I want to hear what you can create. And so after the show, we had a series of workshops and discussions of trying to play around with what we could create. But, but the one that that kind of got the most support and the most response from the group was another phone show. Um, but this was a Dungeons and Dragons based role-playing show. The audience would call in and they'd be greeted by the welcome wizard who would go, welcome yon traveler to the adventurarium. First, you need to choose your character. Would you like to be a mage, a warrior or a thief? Right, and then the audience would select their character, would find their name. So the audience would be like, my name's Andrew. And it'd be like, that name is no good. You are now Andrificus the Mighty. And then they get thrown into this world that was created entirely by what we had written. We had a soundboard and then complete improvisation because it was an open map with like a main quest and at least 30 different side quests. And that was our second show. And once again, had the storytelling, 
had that interaction, which created the really wonderful experience, but it was a totally different direction that we went in. And it, it was a ton of fun. What was the worst part of this past year? And what was the best part? I, I mean, I mean, Italy, the worst is the, is the, the isolation, the separation. And from day to day, I could feel like their loss just of not being together as we rehearsed and as we worked. The best thing, some of the things that kids have found working with phones and other stuff, I have had thoughts of like, I, I might want to keep that. Like there was a lot of merit and a lot of interest. You know, I don't know if we will do another show fully on the phone, but how do we incorporate that or elements of that into an event? The discovery of mediums has been really interesting and something that I told my students just like a couple months ago, I realized like, hey, I realized we're doing re this research at the exact same time that every professional hoity-toity theater company in the world is doing. Like we're figuring this out at the same time and rate as like Complicite and Simon McBurney and all like all these people like that's pretty cool because we're never at the cutting edge, you know, but right now we are in a way, as long as we're approaching this in this manner, which is, which is, which is pretty cool. And was fun for the kids to think about. The media literacy piece has been one of the positives. I think that's come out of this. A lot of schools have access to the technology, but sometimes the technology doesn't get utilized as effectively as it could for educational purposes. I'm hoping this past year has stressed the importance of that to increase overall accessibility, knowledge. Yeah, I mean, that, well, that gets into the like equity of this and in some ways the longevity of this because who has access to internet? They're like major hurdles to that have been another part of like developing pieces and going like, if this continues going on, who loses out who loses out from being a part of this conversation? Yeah, I sometimes talk about how online theater provides more accessibility, but it's only one small piece of this. I just hope the past year has raised these key questions in terms of how we use and understand and access technology that need to be addressed by schools, by communities, by everyone moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this and for sharing all of these experiences. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun.